We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. I don't really like talking about money because sometimes people go to church and they think, well, that's all they want is they want to, you know, talk about money. They want me to give to them. And a lot of ministries out there, unfortunately, people have gotten rich off the people. They've fleeced the flock and you see that happen a lot. But, you know, if you're new to Calvary Chapel, one of the things that we do is we just teach through the Bible. And so we're bound by our texts, you know, and this is where we are as you travel through 2 Corinthians. But here's the thing, you guys, um, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so today we are going to talk about giving, but let me make sure that you understand very clearly what we're talking about. I'm not necessarily talking about giving to this church, but I am talking about giving to the poor. Um, every four seconds, someone dies because of hunger or hunger-related issues. All around the world, 21,000 children die every single day because they don't have enough food. And so I think for us in America, we're so blessed materially and financially, and a lot of times what ends up happening is we end up indulging in things, and I believe that God is challenging us to really take a long look at what we have and make sure that we're being obedient with the finances that are not really ours, they're His. And so make sure you understand that as we talk about giving, we're primarily talking about giving to the poor. Yes, there is that place where I think it's important that you give to the church where you're being fed and that way we can pay the bills and you know have a few guys working and things like that. But at, at the end of the day, what we're talking about today is those people out there who don't have any food, they don't have clothes, they don't have housing, even sometimes in people in a congregation like this where they, they can't find employment. And it's so cool when what happens is when, you know, the church, it catches the vision. Those guys that are, are working, they're there for others when they're going through hard times. And then you never know, one day the tables are turned and, man, you get to receive the blessings. Because people catch the vision of what it really means to give and, and not to receive. And, and so we see that here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at, at verse 1. Paul writes, Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. Aren't you guys impressed by the way I pronounced that word? Superfluous. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Now, here in verse 1, Paul is writing regarding the ministering. It says right there, to the saints, that's the Christians over in Jerusalem. He says, it's, it's superfluous for me to write to you. It's almost like I don't even need to. It's almost like for me, kind of saying, I don't need to talk to you guys about this. You guys already know what's up. You guys already know when that guy's right there on the exit in the freeway and he's got no food or he's got no money and you whip out a, a couple of bucks and you help him out. You guys already know what this is all about. It's kind of like that. Uh, what was really going on was Paul was collecting uh, uh, some donations. We're going to see from Galatia, uh, the northern regions of Greece, uh, Macedonia, and then eventually in Corinth, uh, Achaia. And what he's going to do is he's going to take the funds and he's going to go over to Jerusalem because they're having a real hard time uh, financially. 
And, and you know, I don't know if you guys are, are really into this or not. How many of you guys are really into helping the poor? Just out of curiosity, praise God. You guys are so cool. And the rest of you, I don't know about you, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, but I think sometimes we forget. We forget. We think, well, I got some more money, so I'm going to get me some more stuff. And like I told you last week, I think we can't be possessed by demons, but we can be possessed by, by possessions. And I really want to encourage you to know that the Bible clearly teaches that we have a responsibility to help the poor. Uh, a really cool verse is over in Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 8. It says, If there is anyone among you, a poor man of your brethren, within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. And then we're going to find that saturated throughout the scriptures, you guys. If the Lord wants us to help the poor, okay? We don't harden our heart. We don't close our hands. No, we help those guys that are down and out. We help that family. God wants us to have that type of heart, okay? A couple of qualifications. Number one, however, this is assuming that the person that we're helping is not just milking the system. You know, they're not just like a lazy guy who doesn't want to work. In that case, you got to be really careful. You know, you don't want to enable someone to have that type of lifestyle. So we help the poor unless they don't want to work. You got to be careful with that. And it's also assuming this, that you have the funds to help them. And so there's a legitimate need. They're trying. They're not able to make it. You're there, and what God just prompts you, man, I'm going to give them a little bit. I'm going to take them maybe some food, maybe pay a utility bill, help them out. God says, that's what I want my people to do. Don't just take it all for yourself. Don't just indulge for yourself. When was the last time you really gave to someone who was poor? I mean, think about it. And just start, man. Take out a dollar. Everybody, let's take out a dollar right now. Just pass it forward. I'm just joking. I'm, like, <laughs> um, I'm not that poor by any means, right? But you know, it starts somewhere. Started. I'll give an extra dollar this week, you know, to the 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 food bank. Or next thing you know, it's two dollars. Next thing you know, God's man moving you on in this area of of becoming someone who gives. God wants us to help the poor. And what we find with Paul the apostle is he was obedient to the Lord in his ministry as a Christian. He even led the way uh, from the very beginning. If you go back to Acts chapter 11, verse 27, what had happened was there was a hard time going on in Jerusalem. Agabus, the prophet, he rose up, said there's going to be a famine in the land. And then what ended up happening was the Christians there in Antioch, it was a really healthy church, they determined to send relief to the poor saints in Jerusalem. And so they gathered it all together, probably thousands of dollars, and what they did was they sent it with Paul and Barnabas, and that was his first taste in ministering to the poor like that. And apparently what ended up happening, man, was it really, it really blessed his heart. It really touched him to the point where, from that point on, all his missionary journeys, he would always collect a little bit, and then boom, he would take it back uh, to Jerusalem. And so, you know, for us, I know for me, sometimes we'll present a need, you know, to you guys, and I feel kind of funny. I'm like, man, I, I, that's such a turnoff, huh, isn't it? Like, oh, no, they're going to ask for money again. 
But you know what? Sometimes there is a legitimate need. And when there is, it's so cool to see people step up like that. And so, you know, Paul, he had that in his heart. And that was his ministry. You know, I, I know you guys, you see Paul the Apostle and you see he was a great man of God. Don't forget the fact that not only did he preach the gospel, but he also gave to the poor. He led the collection in giving to the poor. That was a huge part of his ministry. We read that even in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised or the Jews. They desired, it says, only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. And so here are these guys, Paul's legitimating his ministry, legitimate, that word right there, and you know, he's trying to say it's a legitimate ministry, right? Is what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach to the Jews and the Gentiles, you guys preach to the Jews. They said, that's cool, that's fine, that's dandy. This is all we ask. Don't forget the poor people. I wonder if there's anyone here who has forgotten the poor. You know, we're living our life, we're buying our hot Cheetos, you know, we're going in filet mignon and we got the nice things happening and, and we have not remembered the poor. I, I just pray you guys would know that this is so biblical. And this is what he's writing, verse 1, concerning the, the ministering to the saints, you know. I mean, he's faithful in his appeal. He's faithful in his approach to the people of Corinth. Because a year ago, they promised this donation for the Christians who were struggling in Jerusalem, right? And, and he's basically saying, you know what? I know it's not necessary. I'm writing to you guys, kind of overdoing it. Because you guys are already willing, right? As a matter of fact, he says, I've been boasting about you uh, to the Macedonians, that you guys are ready and willing to give. Look again there at verse 2. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. I mean, you guys are so excited about giving, and they found out about it, and they're excited now. And they're giving. And Paul is saying, man, this is so cool, the way that you stirred people up. You know, yesterday, no, Friday, I was talking to one of the guys that was going to the Mission Mexico, and he was telling me about all the things that they were taking, and it was pretty cool. Um, I mean, normally they just take water, but this time they're taking Gatorade. Ooh, it's pretty cool. And then normally they just take hot dogs. This time they're taking fajitas. Um, they had uh, coats and sweaters and uh, care packages, and I took a picture of the truck that they had. It was all loaded down, right? Then they went to Mexico, they got to the border right there, and they wouldn't let them in. I don't know if you guys heard about that. I don't know all the details, but from what I understand, you know, that was kind of a bummer. And you're like, Lord, I don't get it. All these donations, when I heard about it, I was so excited about it. But then I guess what ended up happening was they had to go and find somebody on this side of the border to give it to. And guess what? They found people. <laughs> they found homeless people. Homeless people that cried when they received the clothes and then they received the clothes and then they gave it to their friends. There's a lot of people like that. Just probably people in this church that, that don't, they're hurting, they're drowning in debt, um, they don't have any food. 
I mean, I know that for most of us here, you look in your refrigerator and it's pretty packed, huh? There's some people in here, in this church right here, they don't have a whole lot. Beans and rice, Jesus Christ. And I guess that's okay. I guess that's okay. And you got some bread and you got some bologna and you got some Miracle Whip mayonnaise. As long as you got that, you know, you're good. But there's a lot of people out there that are hurting and it's so cool when Paul right here has this, hey, you guys, I know you're going to give. I'm boasting to you. I know you guys are ready. I'm just kind of writing it, though, just to make sure that when you go, when we go, that you guys are going to have this donation ready for us. You know, but I just like the fact that they're stirring them up. They're stirring them up. They're, they're, they're fanning the flame. They're getting them excited. Do you, guys, do you guys do that with each other? When you come to church service, do you get excited? You know, you talk to so-and-so, hey, man, the, this homeboy, he's on fire for the Lord, man. And the next thing you know, you're on fire, right? And we stir each other up. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You guys, Jesus is coming. You know, Jesus is coming. You guys ready? I mean, we're dying. We don't know if we have tomorrow. The day is approaching. I mean, these, these are not days to not go to church. These are days to go to church service. And when you go to church service, you don't just go to church service to see what you can get. You go to church service so you can see what you can give. You're beautiful people. You know the truth. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You've got love. And what you need to do is pour into people, man. And you never know that that person that's sitting next to you, they may have been contemplating suicide this week. And they may have said, you know what, I don't even know if I want to serve the Lord anymore. I don't want to, you know, do this Christianity thing or whatever the case may be. Marriages are splintering. You know, we're struggling with our children. We're struggling with our finances. We're struggling in our bodies. I mean, and we're empty inside and we don't feel the way that we should be feeling. We should be walking on water, moving mountains. We're Christians. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And some of us here, the flame is dying and you need someone to pour into you, to stir you up, to fan that flame, to make you strong. That's why we go to church service. These are not days to say, well, I can't go to church today because I got to wash my car or my cat or, you know, I got you know, a barbecue or, hey, man, the big game's on today. I'm telling you what, man. When I, when, I, when, I, when I was growing up as a Christian, I mean, it took, like, it took like hell not to get me to church. Now I have to be here, so it's different, you know. But, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. Don't stop getting together. And when you do get together, I'll tell you what, man, you guys are beautiful people. Don't just leave. You're like, man, yeah, I got to go. Shakey's buffet, it's almost over. <laughs> don't, man, don't just leave. You stop and you talk and you hug and you cry and you care and you share prayer requests with people. I mean, the, the Corinthian church, they were stirring up the Macedonians. And you guys, we need to stir each other up. It's a huge part of what this is all about. 
You know, when you go to church service, yeah, you want to hear the study. And when you go to church service, yeah, you want to worship. But a huge part of it is the fellowship with each other. Never forget that. These guys right here, they had promised to give. That got everybody super excited. And so they all had that heart, right? Paul knew that they were going to give, but he wanted to send some people ahead of time just to make sure. Notice in verse 3, it says, Yet I have sent the brethren lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And so, you know, they said they were going to give, and he says, okay, let me send a few guys ahead of time just to make sure that when I get there, you know, we don't have to receive an offering. That when I get there, you're like, oh, I forgot. I forgot my checkbook. Have you guys ever used that excuse? Yeah, I would give, but I forgot my checkbook. You know, so that they wouldn't be embarrassed, so that, you know, Paul wouldn't be embarrassed because he told the Macedonians they were going to give, and, you know, now there's nothing there. And so he sent the guys ahead of time. Paul's pattern was whenever he would go to a congregation, he didn't want there to be an offering when he was there because perhaps he thought that maybe they would see that as pressure from Paul, you know, the apostle. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, that was his pattern. It says in verse 1, Now concerning the collection of the saints, for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And so his pattern was, you guys do it ahead of time. That way when I come, you know, it's not going to feel like an obligation type of thing, you know, that now Paul's here, we better make sure that we give because, you know, he's the great Paul, uh, the apostle, right? No, he wanted it to be back in 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> Notice there in verse 5, a matter of generosity. You know, that's what he wanted. You know, that word translated generosity in, in the Greek language, it's the word uh, eulegia. We get our word eulogy from it, and it literally refers to a praise and blessing. You know, that, that that generosity, that gift would be praise, that it would be a blessing. You know, one of the things that we do here at Calvary Chapel is we'll receive the offering during worship. And some people wonder, well, why do you do it then? You know, because some people have even told me funny things, man. They say, hey, Manny, you should take the offering at the end of the service because then most people are there. You know, and if you do it during the service, not everybody's there yet. You know, some people are funny. It's kind of funny, you know. But I've always been taught to receive the offering. We don't take the offering. I always tell the guys, you don't pray that way. We receive the Lord's offering and we do it during worship because it's an expression of worship. You know, as we're singing, uh, it's beautiful. It really is. But as we're giving, it's beautiful. It's an expression of praise, not pressure. It's a blessing to give, not a burden to give. And that's what Paul was saying. I want it when, when, I, when you guys, you know, go ahead. When, when we go, I want it to be a matter of generosity and not obligation. 
Because here's the thing, okay, what if, okay, just what if I told you that I had the, the lottery numbers? What, what would you guys do? You'd be my friend, right? You'd be my friend, hey, Manny, I'll take you out. We'll go uh, to, what's that expensive place down the street? And, you know, we'll hang out. Can you give me those numbers, right? Because you want to be blessed financially, right? And, and here's the thing that I will share with you this, because I've seen it over the years. God will bless you financially. He will bless you financially. If you understand that it's not yours, that it's His. And if you start giving to God the way that you're supposed to. Because then what ends up happening is he finds someone who's a good steward with his finances. And sometimes you see people, and I'll be honest with you, that they have a lot of money. And they might have a big house and they might have a nice car. And they love the Lord. And they give to the Lord. God has blessed them. And I'm not saying you have to have a big house or a nice car. But all I'm saying is this, man, that God will bless you financially if you are a good steward of his funds. Look what it says here in verse um, 6. It says, but, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully, so that each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You see, this is what the Bible teaches, you guys. You know, Paul writes, if you only plant a, a few seeds, you know, it doesn't make sense that you're going to reap a big harvest. It's not going to happen, right? You plant a few seeds, you're going to get a few plants. But if you plant bountifully and generously an abundance of seeds, I mean, doesn't it make sense that you're going to receive a whole lot more when that harvest time comes? And that's exactly what the Bible teaches. You know, and, and in one sense, it makes sense agriculturally. You're like, okay, Manny, that makes sense. I plant my tomatoes and my jalapenos and my serranos, and I put it all together, and I'm going to have me some mean salsa, right? And I'm going to, you know, a whole bunch of fruits and veggies. It's kind of cool when people do that at home. Or maybe you have a farm, and you, I remember growing up, I used to go to Mexico. My grandma used to grow cotton and watermelon and all that kind of stuff. It was huge. It was huge. And so she had to do a, a lot of seeds, right? But you're like, well, but how would that work in the financial realm? I mean, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, and you're telling me that I'm going to be blessed? I'm actually going to receive a harvest from that? And you're right, it doesn't make sense unless God is in the equation. And let me tell you something, God is in the equation. God sees. Jesus was watching when they were putting money in the money box. He sees all that. He sees our heart, you know, and I'm guilty of it as well so many times. We're spending money on ourselves and spending money on ourselves, and it's almost like, man, don't you get tired of that? And the Lord sees, but He's patient with us. And then what happens is He's going to test you, and He gives you some money, and next thing you know, 
you know, you're, you know, you're tested and maybe you fail the test and then you're tested and retested. And eventually what God is hoping and praying is that his people would, would awaken and they would graduate to that place of being givers for Jesus Christ. I've told you guys before that, you know, givers are livers, you know. If, if you're not a giver, then you're dead, okay? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you guys know this? Do you guys know this? It's more blessed to give than to receive. You guys know that, right? I was talking to a brother the other day. He called me up on the phone, and, you know, he's about to do a financial investment. And I tell you what, I, I know this brother, man. I know that he's sincere. And he's just saying, you know, Pastor, I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. You know, I, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, wise with God's you know, finances because I really, I do want him to bless me so that I can bless the church, so that I can give to the Lord. You know, and we're talking about these things, and I was just saying, you know, Lord, you know how hard it is for a rich man to serve you. You know how hard it is. And so, Lord, your will be done. But if that's your heart, if you're like D.L. Moody who said, I want to make as much as I can so I can give as much as I can to the kingdom of God, God's going to bless you, especially if you're a hard worker. Because if you sow a whole bunch of seeds, God promises that you're going to reap in a wonderful harvest. And I believe, yes, the rewards in heaven that, you know, no thief could ever steal or moth could ever eat or rust will, you know, wear away. But I also believe that he'll bless you here with things that are spiritual, things that are intangible, and sometimes, yes, things that are financial. When you finally, when we finally realize that not just 10% belongs to him, but 100% belongs to him, that it's all his. And when we know this, look, man, if I, if I plan a lot, I'm, God's going to bless, then we, we really will be a blessed people. I mean, it's got to be the Lord. And that's exactly what we read right there. Look at verse 8, and God is able. God is able, man, to make all grace abound towards you. You know, and that's what we want. And, it, and the Lord, you're going to see his hand in it. It's so cool. When you give to God what belongs to God, you give to God off the top, he's going to give back. You know something? You know how it is sometimes when someone takes you out to lunch? Have you guys ever done that? And someone takes you out to lunch and you're like, hey, I'll pay for it. No, no, I'll pay for it. You know, I'll pay for it. I mean, sometimes it happens to me and I fight him and then I let him, right? Go ahead. <laughs> I guess you could go ahead and pay for me. But I'll be honest with you, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, I got to pay him back. I feel so bad. I don't want to be a, a taker, you know? I don't want to be a leech. And so... If I feel that way, don't you think God feels that way in one sense? I mean, you're giving to God and you think he's just going to kick back and not bless you? No, he's going to bless you. God is not a debtor to anyone. And so we lend to the poor and God's going to pay you back. You give to the missionary cause, God's going to bless your life. And that's exactly what we see right here. God is able. God will do the work. You know, I was reading a story on this, you know, Pastor Chuck, when he graduated from college, uh, he had it in his heart. I don't know if you guys knew about this, but initially he wanted to be an evangelist. And so he had it in his heart to go to Missouri and to go through this tour of churches where they had opened the doors and would allow him to be an evangelist. And the, the thing is, however, when he graduated from college, he didn't have the money, he didn't have the resources to do it. But he was praying, Lord, you know what I want to do? I want to share your word. I want to evangelize uh, those people over there in Missouri. 
because uh, I heard their mis misery, misery there in Missouri, yeah, something like that. And so anyways, um, what ended up happening was uh, one day he's at a service and there was a, a missionary there that was sharing about their endeavors in um, Puerto Rico. And uh, Pastor Chuck was there and he, and he heard like a voice in his heart and his head and said, give them, you know, $5. And, you know, give to this missionary cause. And, and he's like, Lord, that's all I have. That's all I got. I got. That's all I got is $5. Back then it was a little more than it is now, right? But here I am, I'm trying to raise funds to go to Missouri and you want me to give all my money away? And the Lord said, yes. And so you know what he did? He gave. He gave his $5 Next day, the next day, he gets a phone call from an attorney. I guess he had witnessed some accident. And what ended up happening was the attorney said, hey, we need you to testify and this and that. Well, I got to go to Missouri. He says, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll pay for your whole trip, man. And next thing you know, here he was. He, he was totally broke. But God, if it's God's will, it's God's bill, right? right? Where God guides what? God provides. And when you give obediently, let me tell you something. He will bless. He will bless your life, but he's going to test you. He's going to test you. What, what, you, what are you going to do with his money? Later, he wrote this. It is impossible to outgive God. When we give to him, he always gives back more. It doesn't make sense mathematically, but it works practically. And a lot of people say, well, I can't afford to give. Let me tell you something, you can't afford not to give. It's very important that we understand the principles that the Bible teaches. For example, Proverbs eleven twenty four. it says, Give freely and become wealthy. Eesh. Be stingy and lose everything. Proverbs 29 says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. We see that same biblical principle in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. See, if we give to God, then he's going to give to us, like it says right here, for every good work. Notice there again in verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always may have an abundance for every good work. Lord, I want to do a good work for you. And God's help, I'll provide. We have to get caught up in the kingdom of God. We have to get caught up in works that are eternal, works that are good. And when you're, you're giving to the Lord what belongs to the Lord, he will always provide. Hudson Taylor said, God's work, God's, when done God's way, will never lack God's resources. And that's a promise, you guys. It's a promise. It's not just for pastors. It's for all of us here because you're all engaged in good works. And that's what he's saying, you know? I mean, again, Proverbs 19, 17, he who has pity on the poor lends to who? The Lord. And he will pay back what he has given. Again, we might not get all that we want or even a large portion of what we want, but we will receive what we need. 
And the Bible says, even an abundance for every good work. Now, Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God's going to supply all your needs, you guys. I promise you. He will. You know, it was writing, Paul's writing to the Philippian church. They had given him money as a, an evangelist slash missionary pastor. They had given him money. And Paul's saying, man, God's going to bless you. God's going to supply all your needs. Maybe not all our greeds, but all our needs, right? You know, I was reading a story uh, about a guy named R.G. Letourneau. And he was a Christian industrialist. He passed away in 1969. And he dedicated his life to being a businessman for God. He was hugely successful designing and developing his own line of earth-moving equipment. You know, things like tractors and stuff. And he was the maker of nearly 300 inventions. He had hundreds of patents in his lifetime. And as he succeeded financially, what he did was he increased his giving to the point where he was giving 90% of his income to the work of the Lord. And this is what he said. He said, I shovel out the money and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. <laughs> and I was thinking, yeah, isn't that so true? Some of you here are thinking, well, I could give 90% if I was a multimillionaire, you know, Manny. Yeah, it's true, but remember, he wasn't always a multimillionaire. He didn't start out wealthy, but he always had that principle of giving in his heart. And so here's a, a general challenge to you guys. Whatever percentage of your income you're currently giving, make a lifelong plan to bump that percentage up with every opportunity in life. You know, because what do we want to do at the end of the day? Uh, look there in verse 7. So let each one gives, give as he purposes in his heart. You know, you don't want to be one day dead, man, or you're ready to die. You're on your deathbed. You're at that hospital room or whatever. And, and you look back over your life and you know what? You're like, well, I never really did graduate in that school of giving. I kind of gave here and there flippantly, lackadaisically, lightly, accidentally. No, you want to give purposely. And that means you prayed about it. That means that you've talked to God about it. That means that there was an intention involved. And when you gave, you gave ultimately, obediently to the Lord. You know, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. That's the NIV. Not lightly or even grudgingly, but right here, I don't know if you guys are, are cool with this, cheerfully. You know, to give cheerfully. You know, so let me just tell you this, okay? Because some of you guys here, maybe you're here for the first time, and you're like, oh, this is one of those churches. You know, they ask for money. Uh, I, I've talked to some people, and they just said, that was like the only thing I didn't want to hear. I mean, you could almost tell me anything else. Just don't ask for money, okay? So let me tell you guys this, and you can talk to anyone who's come here for a long time. We don't talk about giving a lot. We don't, honestly. You know, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith, who founded Calvary Chapels, he just, you know, slammed into our heart that you don't beg for money. Where God guides, God provides. So, 
You know, we do pass that little green thing around. If you want to give, cool. If not, that's fine. You can go buy yourself something else. That's fine. That's between you and the Lord. But if it's in the Bible, I got to teach it, right? And so I'm so grateful we're going to be done with it today, okay? You'll never hear it for another 12 years, okay? <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, as we are teaching, I, I, you got to know what the Bible says, and you got to know it uh, really clear and, and when you're giving, God says, I want you to give. Uh, it says right there, God loves a cheerful giver. You know, some people are like giving and they're like, you know, come on, you know, I won't let, let go, okay. You know, and the Lord is saying, man, have you guys, I told you about that, those, those guys that they're dancing when they're giving. They're just like doing flips. Oh, this is, we should do that, huh, Henry? <laughs> Next time we do an offering, okay, everybody dance. No, I'm just joking. Because God loves a, a cheerful giver. I mean, he loves us all. He loves us all. But I'm telling you what the Bible said. God loves a cheerful giver. Is that you? Is that me? I pray that it would be, man. It's, we're going to see later. It's God's grace that we could even give to him. Right? The Greek word, hilaros. We get our English word, hilarious, from it. What it literally means is um, energetic excitement in being able to give to the Lord. You know, and that's what we want to be able to do. We want to be able to be excited about it. You know, um, right here in verse 9, Paul offers scriptural support. He says, as it is written, he was dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. You know, and it's interesting, that passage, I, I encourage you guys, you go home, read Psalm 112. It's an amazing man or woman that he's talking about right there. And what this is, is this guy has given, he's dispersed abroad, notice, given to the poor, and man, he's blessed with this righteousness. And so he then prays, notice in verse 10, now he prays, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increased the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. That would be a really cool prayer, huh? For us to begin to pray for people, what Paul prayed right here. You know, God is the one who supplies the seed for us to sow. He put that one dollar in your, Manny, that's all I got. How many of you here, you don't have any cash? I'm just joking. I won't make you raise your hand. You know? I never carry cash. Every once in a while, Shelly gives me $2, but that's about it, man. You know, And God is the one that supplies that seed that you have, right? That seed that you can sow, which amazingly, he said, becomes bread for us to eat. That's a miracle. And he alone, God is alone, able to make it then multiply. I mean, you think about it, you know, you're eating that fruit. It's got all those seeds in there. You're like, whoa, that's from one seed. Now I got all those seeds. And then you plant all those seeds and then you got all these more. That's exactly what God does. He blesses you. You got more seeds than to plant. It's exactly what he's saying. You know, what we find right here is that even goes beyond the physical. There in verse 10, it says, and increase towards the end, the fruits of your righteousness. You know, and I, and I know it's a difficult message. I don't know. Maybe for some it is. You know, maybe for some it's not. You know, but, you know, when you... My pastor used to always say this, that you can tell a lot about a person 
by looking at their checkbook or by looking at the way that they spend their money. You can tell a lot about a person. But when you look at that checkbook and it's like giving to the Lord and yeah, we got to eat, you know, but, you know, I mean, it's just, it's for the Lord. It's not for me. It's not indulging. It's just giving. Then it's righteous. And there's going to be fruit that you're going to benefit from. God is going to be glorified. Even there at the end of verse 11, it says, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. In verse 12, for the administration of this service not only supplies, it's not just the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And so here you are, and you guys give, you know, it's been kind of cool going to Cambodia. I've had people come up and say, hey, you know, here's whatever, $300 for that pastor over there who needs a, a new moto, you know, or whatever. Here's a few dollars for this and that. And then, and then you go, and then, you know, you're able to meet that need. What ends up happening is you're not just meeting a need. It's not just now the guy can ride the moto and have fun and go off jumps or something, you know. What does he do? He thanks God. That's exactly what he's saying. And you're giving food, and we've been blessed to be able to maybe give some rice to different villages and stuff like that. And what that does is that opens the doors for us to then share the gospel. And then what ends up happening is people actually get saved. It's not just a social program. It's a gospel agenda. And that's exactly what he's saying right here. He's saying, man, when we do this, it's so cool to see what ends up happening, man. And he says right here that when you're caring for the poor, it's so cool because it actually kind of proves that you're a ministry. I mean, notice again there, if you would, in verse 12, in verse 13, while while through the proof of this ministry, it says, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession. It, It proves you're a ministry. Now, Pastor Chuck, he would always say, when you hear those guys on the radio saying, give to us, give to us. If you don't give to us, then we're not going to be able to stay on this radio station and minister to you. And and Pastor Chuck would always say, then that's not a ministry. Because ministry is giving, it's not getting. And, you know, you just pray. And God will provide, Right? And that's the proof of the ministry. When you're there and you're, you have that heart, man, you just want to give. And it's not just to a few. It says right here, to many. And we're t- talking about families, moms, dads, singles, children, all giving thanks to God. It's just so cool the way it works. And then what ends up happening? Notice there in verse 14, it says, and by their prayer for you. I mean, it's so cool. What ends up happening is they pray for you. I mean, you're giving to them and you're thinking, yeah, well, I'm going to bless them and God's going to do, you know, this great work through me. And what ends up happening is then, man, they end up praying for you and, you know, your whole life changes. Have you guys ever heard of this guy, August Frankie? 
don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name. It might be Frank. But anyways, I thought since we're in the month of August, we'd study about this guy, August uh, Frank. Anyways, he was a well-known German preacher of the 17th century, and he founded an orphanage to take care of the homeless children who roamed the streets. One day, when he desperately needed funds to carry on his work, a destitute Christian widow came to his door begging for one gold uh, ducat. I guess that's what they call it. I'm not sure. Um, But she needed some provision, right? Because of his financial situation, he politely but regretfully refused. Disheartened, the woman then sat down and just began to weep. Moved by her tears, uh, Frankie asked her to wait until he went to his room to pray about the matter. Seeking God's guidance, he felt that the Holy Spirit wanted him to grant the request. Trusting the Lord to meet his own pressing needs, he gave her the money. Two mornings later, he received a warm letter of thanks from the widow, saying that because of his generosity, she had asked the Lord to shower the orphanage with gifts. What did she do? She prayed for him, right? Lord, shower the orphanage with gifts. And so what that, he says that same day, he received 12 ducats from a rich lady and then two from a friend in Sweden. And when he thought that that was enough, afterward he was informed that the prince had passed away and in his will he had directed that they receive 500 gold pieces to be given to the orphanage. And this man just wept in gratitude because he sacrificially provided for the need of that widow obediently. He had not been impoverished, but enriched. And we should do the same. Giving for pure motives. And what ends up happening, man, is people pray for you. And God does an awesome work, you guys. To the point where what ends up happening in closing, look what he says there in verse 15. As he's talking about giving and giving and giving, he says, and here's where it all stems from. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I mean, we're giving to the Lord. We're giving to the Lord. We're giving him a time, our town, our treasure, our temple. You know, we're giving to the Lord, right? And sometimes it hurts. They say that you got to give till it hurts, right? But really, at the end of the day, are you out giving God? What did he give to you? He gave you his son. He gave you his righteousness. He gave you forgiveness. Right? There's not, it's kind of funny how the word giving is in the word forgiving, you know? It's all because he gave that indescribable gift. Jesus Christ. Okay, so you're not going to hear me talk about this a lot anymore. Well, maybe next week, but after that. No, I'm just joking. We're done. Lord, please help me. You know, we're kind of done with that, man. But from this point on, it's between you and the Lord. What you want to do with that, uh, the stewardship that's been given to you. But the most important thing is that we receive the gift of Jesus Christ in our life. Let me give you guys four principles in closing when it comes to giving, and that way hopefully I can just wipe my hands clean and say, Lord, I have not shunned to declare the full counsel of God. Okay, number one, when you give, I encourage you to give periodically. Periodically. And so, you know, Paul said there in 1 Corinthians 16 that in the first day of the week, 
you know, they would set something aside. And so for me, it's kind of like, okay, my payday. When I get paid, boom, off the top, this goes to God, this goes to that ministry, etc. Okay? Number two, to give plentifully. To give plentifully. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. You want to sow, you know, plentifully, right? For the Lord. And so maybe you're not there yet. You got to work your way towards getting there. But let that be your heart. Number three, give purposely give purposely and by that you know you got to get with the lord it's not just accidental it's not flipping it's not light it's not like well whatever happens happens no you get with the lord and this is what he says i want you to give like this you know when i first got saved i get 20 dollars here 30 dollars here you know 17 dollars there depending on what was going on that week and then the lord really taught me manny you should give at least 10 percent you know, and some people will say, well, should I give off the net or the gross? And when you guys start asking questions like that, your heart's not right, okay? <laughs> but you know, that's a good place to start. And then the Lord, when you start giving what belongs to Him, and next thing you know, you're, you prayerfully, you're giving more. You're giving to that, you know, radio guy that you listen to all the time that you think is a great ministry. You're giving to the Harvest Crusade. You're giving to our missionaries. I mean, and then before you know it, you are so blessed because you're not buried in your own self-indulgences. You know, you learn how to give. You give purposely, right? I think even Mother Teresa, she said, if you give what you do not need, it isn't giving. Remember that. And then the fourth thing is this, that you give privately. You give privately. You know, I've had people come up to me and say, hey, Manny, this is what I gave. And I'm like, well, you just lost your reward. <laughs> You know, because what did Jesus say? That's what the Pharisees would do. They would go and they would blow the horn and they would say, hey, look how much money I'm giving. And yeah, that's cool. But the bottom line is, Jesus said, if that's why you do it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, then you just lost your reward. So here's the thing. Give, but don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Because what ends up happening, and sometimes there's no way around it. People have to find out things. Don't get me wrong. I understand there are special circumstances. But generally speaking, you don't want to give in order to draw attention to yourself. You give to God, and I tell you what, you guys, I promise you, by the authority of God's word, that you will reap great rewards in heaven. In heaven. So you do it, you do it privately. And I remember reading a story about Charles Spurgeon and his wife. And um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but they actually uh, raised chickens. Did you guys, anybody you guys know that? Nobody is. This is all new for information. Okay, this is cool, man. They raised chickens, and what they would do is they would sell the eggs. They would sell the eggs. And from what I understand, they were like good eggs. Like you could make big omelets out of these eggs, right? And here's the thing, though. Um, they had family members that, you know, somehow some family are. They're like, well, I'm not going to buy them. You should give them to me. I'm family. You, have, you guys have any family members like that? <laughs> well, anyways... Um, they, they said, no, we're not, we don't give any of these eggs away. All these eggs we sell, right? And so what ended up happening was a lot of people thought, well, that's greedy of them. I mean, I'm family, I'm blood. I've given them stuff. Why don't they give me the eggs? It wasn't until later after they died that they realized that what the Spurgeons were doing all along was taking the money that they had earned in selling those eggs and supporting two widows. 
the whole time. See, that's what I'm talking about, purpose. The Lord shows you things, what to do. And people may think you're weird, but that's between you and the Lord. And what ends up happening is God blesses you. Why? Because he has blessed us with his son. He has washed us and forgiven us. You know, and I know you guys are like me. You guys are sinners. You're probably worse than me. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I know who I am. I'm way worse than you guys. Because I, uh, I know the Bible so well. I have a lot of people praying for me. And I still mess up. But I know I'm forgiven. I know where I stand in Christ. You too. You know where you stand in Christ. Huh? If you're a Christian, he gave his son. He gave his blood. He gave his life. He gave his righteousness to you. So that when you die, you're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. Because he gave. And I just pray, you guys, that we would just respond to that the way that we should. For you guys that are Christians. And for you that aren't, if you're here today, I just want you to know God gave his son. And I'm going to make it really simple. He gave his son, Jesus, to die for you on the cross. And he died for all your sins. Those sins that separate you from God. He died for all those sins. And all he asks is that you would be willing to let go of those sins. And receive the gift of God's love found in Jesus Christ. To really do that today. And open your heart and just say, Lord, yes. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. If you're here today and you've never done that, or maybe you have, and you're like, well, I don't really know where I stand in the Lord. I'm not sure that if I die, I'll go to heaven because the, the reality is not to scare you, but you don't know when you're going to die. Nobody knows. We don't have tomorrow guaranteed. This is something that you want to make sure that you have squared away before you die. Are you really right with the Lord? You don't have to be like this, you know, guy jumping through hoops or get baptized or hypnotized or circumcised or canonized. Or you don't have to, you know, do all that. All you got to do is humble yourself and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.